0: Hey Viv Mondalamite You heard giving you a name. I feel I need a name for you guys. I'm not 100% happy with Vivmondolomites, uh, but it's the best I can come up with. It's a bit clunky. Vivmondolomites. That's a whole five syllables getting used up. Uh, It's not exactly punchy. Maybe Vivettes. I quite like that, but it sounds like the name of a pound shop sanitary product. So if anybody has any better names for what listenership I may well have, uh, please let me know drop me a line, love to hear from you. Anyway, welcome, you're listening to Bookish, a kind of book-related-ish podcast in which I, Richard slash Vivmondo, your host, your grand inquisitor, uh, talk to the stars. Not actual stars, of course, this is a literary podcast uh, and I force the loneliest people in the world, that's writers, to have conversations with me. Last week I talked to Greg, the man who fell, Stakelman, the grand doyen of Twitter. Uh, I liked last week's episode. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. He's an interesting chap. This week we stay with the internet. I talk to Socrates Adams. Socrates or Socrates is best known for his online work, most of which is I'm not not really sure to phrase this. It's kind of a uh, let's see a grotesque approximation and appropriation of uh, the idioms and the aesthetic and the language of uh, the internet. Uh, what do I mean? By that, what I mean essentially is that he uses lots of exclamation marks and lots of y- ur, you are instead of "your" the word, and he does lots of Microsoft Paint drawings, which look like the therapy class work of a terrifying outsider artist. Now that may all sound quite dismissive, and I don't really mean it to be, because if you know of him, you'll know that everything he does has a quality to it, a humour, an absurdness, uh, if that's even a word, I'm not sure it is, um, and a pathos which is all unmistakably him and his. This aside, the real reason I went to speak to him was because he recently published his first proper, tangible, undeniable in-print novel. Everything's fine. And if you can hear that, that's that's me riffling the pages of Socrates' novel. Riffling is an industry term. You probably don't know what it means. And this book is great. It manages to retain all the weird strange surreal outsider qualities of his stuff on the internet but also uh, manages to do everything you'd want of a serious novel Uh, the novel itself is about Ian who works in sales for a company which sells industrial rubber tubes but he's so bad at his job that his boss makes him look after one of the industrial rubber tubes as though it were a baby which sets off a chain of events which strip the character down to his terrified shivering nucleus I think it's brilliant it seems ready-made to be a cult novel it's published by a very small but clearly very dedicated and very passionate publisher who are called Transmission. It's got a weird, brilliant cover, and although it seems very much not the sort of thing you'd find reviewed alongside uh, Julian Barnes, Neil McEwen, and Caroline Duffy in The Guardian Review, it seems both more genuinely zeitgeisty and more genuine than a lot of modern fiction. Anyway, with that in mind, I went to Manchester's fashionable hummus and dungarees hub, Cholton, to speak to him. Throughout the recording, one of his cats was prancing mischievously around the room, silently, that is, you can't actually hear him. If you hear our speech slowing at any point and think you detect a strange, erotic undertone, what you're actually hearing is one of us trying to protect our cups of cider from a tiny, excited kitten. and friends and things like that, yeah. but I think like most of what I knew from was like the stuff you did on the internet, which yeah. is kind of like, I didn't really know when I first met you what I was going <laughs> to what to expect, you have kind yeah. of a very disturbing online yeah. sort of persona, yeah. you call it, and that's kind of like carried through in the book, is that is that, do you see that as like an extension of what you do online, or do you see that as like... Uh, a,
1: it's definitely an extension of what I've done online, but I really think that I was just kind of, like my blog is basically... Um, until I started doing that, I really although I'd tried writing um, when I was much younger, I really hadn't written properly or kind of tried to write with any kind of um, objective, I guess, until I started mm. writing that blog. So <coughs> it was really like as I, as I was doing it, I kind of realized that it was really just practice, writing, practice, and kind of working out a voice for myself. And it changed, obviously, you know, because I, I did it for quite a while and because I was so new to it when I started, it really, like, changed a lot as it went along. Um, um, so while the writing is similar, I think, in tone, I think that it kind of, my, me posting kind of creative blog posts and kind of uh, narrative-driven blog posts, it kind of stops when I start writing the book. So it kind of, like, I got up to a point where I felt like, right, the next logical thing I need to do now that I feel as though I can kind of write better than I could when I started is to now work on a novel and in fact like, I, I, the first piece of like, extended writing I tried to do was a, a chapbook mm-hmm. which I um, made like I don't know I guess it must have been 2009 it was kind of like it was kind of a crazy thing it was more like the blog it's called Flesh Feast the human, br- the human brain <laughs> and it's just about this weird guy who moves in above another guy and kind of makes his life miserable so it was much more similar to the blog but it had like there was definitely an end you know the main thing was there was an end point I wanted to get to there were a couple of middly mm. bits I wanted to include in the chat book and I did that and once I'd done that I kind of thought right the next thing I have to do now is write a novel and use what I kind of learned through my writing to to write something longer that's the so, thing
0: that, that stood out most was it kind of keeps that I don't, know, I don't really know how you characterize your writing it seems kind of online it, seemed, it sort of seemed kind of a bit unstable and kind of crazy and it's got like a lot and it's very consistently the same if you see what I mean like that
1: that stuff it's really like the the blog although I I tend to like really quickly edit the posts that go up it is really kind of like I do it really vigorously like I write it really quickly and kind of like I'll just have a very basic idea for a post and sometimes you know like like I'm sure everyone who does blog like the idea comes sometimes in the middle of the post and you realize right I've got to go back and start Mm -hmm. again um but yeah, the, I think the reason it's, con- it's consistent is because it's also all written so quickly. And I did have this weird, like, narrative idea when I first started it, which is I, I wanted to write about a guy who wanted to lose weight. And the way he wanted to lose weight was by, like, cutting bits off himself, basically. So he starts off, like, shaving himself and, like, weighing the hair that he... I think, I'm sure, <laughs> like, I did this, like, he, he weighs, he, you know, like, he weighs, he weighs the hair that he shaved off his head and, like, his, his face and, like, eventually like starts kind of like mutilating himself by like cutting the skin off and stuff but I never really got that I kind of lost interest in that kind of and I just started doing kind of like really sort of weird sort of just like posts that are just driven by like an emotion and Hmm. just a feeling of kind of like distance or kind of self-hatred I guess and trying to kind of make it funny at the same time that's like a
0: good thing about the internet is you can it's given like a platform for loads of types of writing that would never yeah. have existed before yeah, and that didn't exist before and wouldn't yeah. have been able to exist before. Yeah.
1: And it's great as a community for writers as well, mm. like more than any kind of physical group of writers I've been involved in, like having people, you know, the fact that you can write a post and it is, basically a short story, a piece of flash fiction, mm. which you can consume in one sitting and it's like short, it's like three, four hundred words, and then you can have people commenting and saying, I like this. It's just great that you can have that instant sort of feedback from it and mm, um, yeah. you know, it's really good. And then obviously you go and you know, you go and check out their writing when you click through on the comments and stuff. So you kinda of build up a little mm. group of people who are all kind of like on the same yeah, and and like in it's, some it's,
0: way. It's kinda of more democratic I suppose than like the legitimate fiction world. You don't really mm. get many people who are sort of the, the established stars that yeah. whatever they do, everyone yeah, reads or anything. It's like always as good there's as a as couple, good.
1: there's a couple of like, you know, particularly on the internet, like Tao Lin's blog is mm. obviously like, it was the kind of like the one I guess that started it all. And you know, mm. people were sort of, I don't know if that's true. Like this is my feeling and kind of from what I've picked up. So it may well be that I'm totally wrong, but like definitely feels like he, he drew, he drove a lot of what was initially happening. and like, you know, Chris as well. Chris, Cullen, mm. my, um, Um, another Manchester writer who um, had a really like he did a blog which was called I think Untitled Supermarket Nightmare and that was like he did one post a day for a year and then handed it on to someone else so it's that kind of like things that in retrospect seem like really obvious things for people to do blogs about Mm -hmm. but at the time it was the first the first kind of like Thing of its type, or the first one that I was aware of, anyway. So that felt really kind of exciting. Mm. Um, Although sadly, I think for literary blogs, it's maybe dying a bit. And instead of people having a blog, they have a Twitter presence, and then they also maybe have like a Tumblr Mm. or something so that they can kind of link to it. So
0: yeah, it is odd now looking back at blogs now that you you can do that. It feels like you have like a a sort of yeah. It feels like they they're kind of they still exist and they're still kind of a big part of. This sort of thing on the internet but not as big a part and like I think
1: people kind of like their default setting is to kind of like you know now particularly there's so many uh internet magazines which you can submit fiction to as well mm. like people um <coughs> these days definitely do sort of give more credence to writing that's published on say like I don't know like um one that I've that one that I've been uh published on is Metazan, which is a really nice blog um it's kind of you know it's it's all short fiction it's kind of that that desire for someone in a position of authority even if even if the authority is kind of like bullshit because no one really has a right to say whether well, is good or not do they but well, the authority of of, of, of like a blog a, like of someone of an yeah. editor saying like yeah i like yeah. this piece and i want to put it on my blog it's not just me putting it on my own thing and letting people kind of like yeah see i suppose, it, I suppose so. it's the same thing with books is yeah you're,
0: that, you're up until kind of quite recently when publishing became like quite an easy thing to do yeah you'd always think that no matter how kind of bad the book was you'd at least assume there was some merit you're yeah, missing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, yeah. So
1: it's kind of like yeah, you do have that weird setting which is like it's it's fine that I'm publishing stuff on my blog and people like it, but I wish that every post I published on my blog, someone else had said, yeah, it's good enough to go on there. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah,
0: and just, well, everybody seems to be on the internet now. Yeah. It's not just, like, sort of nerds and people who are just yeah. desperate to get stuff published. Stuff. I know, I think everyone like on in the internet's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> becomes a nerd when they go on the yeah. internet. I, yeah, I think,
1: it's, like, the definition of a nerd has really changed over the years as well, because, like, I think people, think people seem to think that nerds are just, like, yeah, people who use the internet or people who are into, like, role-playing games. But that's not really what a nerd is. A nerd is someone who's really socially unable to sort of is that right people who are like really yeah. I suppose suppose it could be like nerd and
0: it kind of like implies like a level of intelligence that not everybody who now is on the internet sort of has I don't know I don't know what it means (laughs) in the book it's uh, something else I kind of like and is quite funny about it and kind of really sad as well at the same time is the language of it is kind of driven by this kind of uh, sales business patois that he has and he can't sort of escape from it and he doesn't really recognise it himself at, at all is that sort of Taken from your own life and yeah,
1: the, yeah, it is. I mean, like I worked in sales jobs for that was my the first kind of the first job I did was I accidentally started working in the kind of advertising sales department of a <laughs> newspaper, and then I worked as a recruitment consultant. And it's like it's talked to you as though it's some kind of weird magical language mm. that will allow you to get whatever you want. Mm. And like I, I'm telling you that the, the, the training I had for my recruitment consultancy training was insane. Like I was in there every day thinking, these people are insane, the things they're saying are insane, they don't really believe this do they, they don't really believe that this is the way you talk to people and that like you you build a relationship with people, You you know, it's very much, you're very much taught to be aware of everything you say and like really carefully measure your sentences and kind of like what you're saying to people in order to like to maximise the rapport that you've generated. And it's, it's true, it's like, you know, I've met people who will say your name in every sentence to you when they mm. talk to you, and it's like...
0: That was the thing I found funny, was yeah. like when he keeps saying, like, I'm building rapport when he's buying, like, sweets in a shop. It's crazy, <laughs> like, and that's,
1: that's like, the idea that you can be taught, like, things... That you kind of, <laughs> something like rapport. That's, as humans, the main thing we've got is, like, the ability, you know, in, in general, the ability to kind of understand other people because we're a person. So mm. it's not something you
0: can't teach people that much. Well, no, and, and that is, like... Almost entirely done through language, and it's yeah. like really like depressing yeah. when you have language turned into this weird like business code. Yeah. And you think, oh, it's nice for like communication yeah. and stuff, not for you know building rapport.
1: Luckily, with me, I was kind of aware of enough enough of it to not let it infiltrate my average speech. Mm. But like, you know, there are people who I've worked with who would um, who would just not be able to stop it, and in the pub after work, they'd still be using these crazy like, you know phrases and expressions and you just kind of think it's like a weird tyrant that kind of stops people from just relaxing and being normal yeah it
0: was really fun do you you think they were like that all the time
1: Uh, well I I don't know but like it was just like one of of the sections of like one of the training was like manipulation (laughs) and you kind of really and it's stuff like yeah what you've got to do is you ask people um, a series of questions to which the only answer they could possibly give would be yes, <laughs> and then the final question is the one where you say like, and so you want to buy this, right? And like because they've said yes so many times, they'll say yes again, and
0: mm. you're like, really? Are yeah. That kind of anyway. <laughs> yes. What about the um the there's the, the surreal elements in it, like yeah, and kind of properly surreal. Where I don't know how much of the plot I'm supposed to really give away in this <laughs> scenario. It's like the the book itself is about a guy who works in sales. Um, he's not very good, so he gets kind of demoted, and he gets given a tube to look after as a baby, yeah. like one of the plastic tubes that he sells. But there's yeah, there's, there's some bits that kind of even as a, a broad comedy sort of setup that that could be. There's things that don't really fit with that. <laughs> Sorry, that's
1: my cat. by the way, Knocking <laughs> stuff over. I, I don't know. I think um, I think there's definitely. I think there's just been so many moments in my life when I've thought that something isn't is just is too. Weird or kind of odd to really be happening, and you know, I, I just, I just do think that I do think there are moments in life that feel surreal in a different way. Hmm. So you know, the kind of things that are unsettling and and, and kind of, I did, I had money, I had a lot more of that in the book originally, and I, I do, what my aim for it was, it to be, you know, really almost grounded in reality, and then just occasionally. For these kind of odd, kind of it's mainly the grotesque stuff that's surreal. Though. There's not a lot of kind of just like weird things that happen for kind of it, you know. But no, it's, it's, well, it's
0: not so much like things just occurring and then they're moving on or anything. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like part of. The, they're built into it. Yeah, yeah. but they're, they're like they're, they're just very unlike reality. Yeah, in a way that is kind of but the sort of they are treated as reality. I do. Th- and people react as they are reality.
1: Yeah, because I mean, but the thing is, like, why would someone who swallowed so much crap that is real Mm. not why would they react any differently to something that's insane that equally insane but just not like you know if someone you know the the stuff with the sales stuff if you if you you buy into things and you believe things and you you refuse to see that someone is treating you badly why would you then refuse to accept that something else is happening to you? Mm. you if you're abused by someone all day long and you're forever saying how much you love that person Mm. Why then, if you just started floating, Mm. would you kind of question the fact that you're floating? You know, it's the idea of like just questioning what's happening to you. And, you know, the way he reacts to the weird stuff in the book is very much kind of an extension of the way he reacts to the things that aren't weird, but are equally unacceptable. You Mm. see what I mean? Like, that's how I, I don't know, maybe I'm just sort of babbling or something. Is it?
0: I I remember when uh, Jen, uh, our friend, she said that you were writing a book about a guy who um, is given a tube as a baby? And she told me this like a really, really long time ago. Yeah. Is this? Have you been writing this for a long time? Uh, no,
1: I haven't. I wasn't writing it for a long time. Like, I it took me about a year or so to write when I first properly started writing it. But I wasn't a publisher for a long time because the book mm. is so weird. <laughs> so like, you know,
0: that took me a long time. I quite um, like that it's with like a like quite a small publisher. Yeah. It seems to fit the book. Yeah, that I it think is, so like, too. It like, kind of. I remember David Cronenberg in an interview like ages ago, saying that his ambition when he was like a teenager was to become the most obscure novelist yeah. in the world, and he kind of worked because he's like never written a book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but like, it's, it's it's sort of that sort of thing. Like it's sort of it's, I like the cover and I like the book yeah. and I like the fact that it comes from a small publisher. It well, that's of, the
1: thing. Like the, the the amazing thing about working with this publisher is that you know the cover um, is a really fantastic synthesis of the artwork which the artist has done, which is Mm. amazing, and also my ideas, and, you know, it's like, I I sent her a load of drawings I'd done on Microsoft Paint of faces, and she sort of went, right, well, I'm going to take (laughs) that kind of, like, style and sort Mm. of do my own thing with it. And, you know, like, it is... Uh, so it's a really good mixture of that and with a big publisher like that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, the publisher would have reads doing some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> some paint energy. <images laughs> yeah. But like, you know, they 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 you know, my experience from what like, from what people I know have said is they go, right, here's your cover, do you like it? And you go, No, or <laughs> yeah and they go, Do you want us to change it? And you kinda of go, Yeah, maybe and they go, Well, we're not gonna change it. So yeah, it's I kinda know. like, you know and then like the fact that it's got a dust jacket, the fact that there's two different illustrations, like the mm. inside cover's different as well and the fact that it's printed on nice paper and that it's set a certain way like these are I've just been working really closely with the publisher and the artist to make sure that we're like everyone's happy with it and mm. um, yeah I, I feel like I feel it's a really good you know it's as good as it could have
0: been what about the sort of the local scene uh, of a Manchester literary scene I suppose yeah uh, I've always thought of, before I kind of knew you before I met you where I when I knew of you <laughs> you sound like some kind of Cthulhu myth. <laughs> but when I was like, when I knew of you, I knew of you as a person who was part of this sort of the with the blog and everything, part yeah. of the Manchester Manchester literary scene. Do you still see that as like a thing or
1: Well, I think it's something that's like I don't know, the idea of a literary scene, like as I've said someone asked me about this the other day as well. It's more like it's just a very inclusive people, a group of people who are like really supportive of each other's writing. That's basically all it is. I don't know, I don't feel qualified to even like talk about literary scenes. All I all I would say is There was a a night, a reading night, that was amazing. And that was, there's no point... It was called, there's no point in not being friends with someone if you don't want to be friends with them. Yeah. And it was at the Deaf Institute, a big venue. We used to get 200 people or so coming along to hear reading. And it was fantastic. And it was, you know, a group of us... I wasn't really involved in the organising of it, but that's where I first started reading out, uh, reading out bits of work that I was was working on. Um, And that, that was basically... The, the literary scene and th- lot many friendships and kind of working partnerships have started because of that particular night that happened and I think we're actually, although this is kind of like, you know, it's still in the early stages and maybe this is like an exclusive <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to do like a, like a one-off reunion gig <laughs> again, so somewhere, like we'll do a really special thing sometime but yeah, while it was going on it was a really really special night and it felt good because people were like the quality of the reading, except for me, was very good. And <laughs> uh, you know, like it was just—it's so great to have an audience of people who were so interested in listening to everyone else. And so, you know, Chris got some really big names as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you find that help though, doing like readings and things? Did it help hone uh, skills? Of yes. Reading out loud. Is that- oh yeah, the reading—like
1: reading—is—is is something that I've improved a lot. Um, Although maybe you couldn't tell from the reading <laughs> today. you competing like, with a cat, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, in terms of, like, reading, I don't... Yeah, that's definitely... It definitely helped.
0: Mm. Um,
1: um, sort of, I think... But the thing is, I think about reading out your work, the main thing, just to remember, is just read it slowly as you can. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. Like, people seem to... You know, yeah, you can
0: go to lots of readings where people... Just
1: rush through it. And,
0: well, yeah, or they, you can tell they don't really know... They sort of think they're reading kind of at normal rate, but because yeah. they're nervous, and you can see them shaking, yeah. you feel terrible because they're, yeah. they're reading like a, a gabbled, yeah. terrifying speed. But
1: Yeah, it's I was I used to get really scared of doing that. Yeah, it's it is very nerve wracking.
0: The first time I read it in public, I sort of knew to not read too quickly, so I read yeah. like very slow. <laughs> it was bored, It was borderline kind of it looked like a, you know, some kind of problem going on <laughs> something on the kind stage. Of, it's kind of it's a it's a difficult thing to do well to have a narrator who is telling you his thoughts and how he thinks and how he feels everything, yeah. but also letting you know that that's kind of these that, sort of, that isn't really what he thinks. Yeah. You sort of have him sort of saying, "I think this," and I love building a rapport with people. And I love my boss. Yeah. And everything's everything's great and fine, um, but you, you get a sense kind of quite quickly and quite sort of consistently that that isn't going on. Is yeah. that did you have? Are there any sort of forebears for that that you looked at or? I think it's just because I'm really sarcastic. In
1: real life <laughs> there 's no one I really went to to get the voice for it, but I just felt like it 's just sim like it 's just like the more insane it, it it seems the more it has to be this person you know you you kind of i hope get the you get the feeling that like he doesn 't believe all the stuff he 's saying um and it's not it's not it 's not kind of like the sort of a classic sort of unreliable narrator and that he sort of, although that's not always the case and that he believes what he's saying, but mm. it's just kind of like, yeah, it's, it is just, it is just sarcasm actually. It's just written from the point of view of someone who's like, it's me pretending to be that person, I guess with any writing, pretending to be that person but being hyper sarcastic to the point of someone not being able to tell in any way what the sarcasm is and what the kind of like real feeling is. I think that's the I think that's the main that's the way I wrote it. Like you know. just
0: a long exercise in I think, deep sarcasm. I think just being honest
1: actually, like convincing yourself that what you're saying is, is totally honest, but mm. sort of like when he you know he always says about how great his boss is. But he does not I think I, I really tried to judge it so that it wasn't over the top. Because if you go over the mm. top, that's also really easy to sniff out as kind of fake. So I wanted it to be like, if you take a sentence without the context of the rest of the book, mm. I feel like you wouldn't know mm. he wasn't being sincere,
0: if you see what I mean. Mm. So I think that's, yeah, hopefully anyway. Sincere is an interesting word, because yeah. sort of, he kind of is sincere yeah. in a sense, but he's he, only because he doesn't really know what being sincere actually means, I suppose.
1: I'm really happy with that element of it. I think that's the element of the book I'm happiest with. I think, it's, I think it is... St- A little subtle in the fact that it is very blurry the line between sincerity and self kind Mm. of deception is not really there like you can't often tell kind of what's you know what he's really thinking Uh, but then you also oddly can it's like a weird
0: I don't know you don't get any kind of neat sort of pat this is why he's like this or this is what he actually thinks or he's like wakes me the night going oh no I I don't really care about rapport but the thing
1: is I don't, I really don't know whether the changes that I'm thinking of making would make it worse or better. That you, you are thinking of making? No, that I, that I would think now would I make that change. Right, yeah. It's kind of, the way I feel about writing is that, um, that sounds like such a dickish thing to say. <laughs> you know, if I really knew exactly what I wanted to say
0: with the book that I was writing, mm. I'd write an essay. If, you you know? if you'd known exactly what you wanted to write in a book, then you would have written exactly what you wanted, what, would to wanted. Yeah, to have or, but I, I don't know, like, I, I don't think I don't know.
1: I think I think the novel is like a form which is more about trying to work out what it is you think about something in Mm -hmm. a way, and like you really, I really felt like I was learning about what I thought about this stuff as I was writing it. So it's not like I kind of, it's not like you sort of set out from from the perspective of someone who knows everything there is to know, or feels like they know everything there is to know about sales, or they know everything there is to know about someone feeling like. Know, trying to come to terms with the fact he's not making a difference in life or trying to feel like he's, he can't make any decisions or anything. It's more like just trying to work out how you feel about that stuff. So what I mean is, I feel like it's impossible to know whether the changes you make in your work make it better or worse because it's almost impossible to know what the aim of the book is, if you see, do you see what I mean? Mm. I don't know. Or maybe I'm not expressing myself very well. That's what I mean. Like, I can't express myself. <laughs> or, like, the, the way I express myself is, like, by, by writing a book mm. and, like, kind of letting other people decide <laughs> what, what you know, what, what the kind of, what the merits and, and, and kind of the bad things are about it. Do you uh, still that
0: thing where you kind of, you're sort of in, sort of in your mind is still in the space that the book occupied, where you when you're sort of writing something, you're so sort of close to it yeah. that you, you can be making decisions, but you kind of don't really know what you're doing. Yeah.
1: At. It's, 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 really, it's a really weird kind of exhilarating thing. Mm. It's like, you know, um, you know what, what, again, with this book, like, all, it's, the the, it's the same as the chapbook like I wrote. It's the same thing. You have a starting point and you have a place. All I knew when I started writing it was I wanted him to um, be a salesman who was kind of miserable without realising it. Mm. And I wanted him to get to a place where, you know, he was obsessed with going on holiday. and uh, He wanted to go on holiday. And the book was just going to be about him trying to go on holiday. Mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what I started with, and everything else just just it just comes out of the writing, so I kind of I've lost myself in all the crap I'm saying, <laughs> But like you know it's it's not you know the, the greatest thing is when you finish a day of writing and you kind of go, "Oh wow, all that stuff I wrote today just didn't exist in any sense that I was aware of at the start of the day, obviously it was there in my mm. head in a kind of you know subconscious way, but there's no way to release that without writing mm. the book. You know? Like there's no way yeah. to kind of reason it out of your, your no, head. You I can find it really it. um
0: it sounds really sort of like another pretentious ridiculous thing to say, but I always find it if, if I ever write anything, like a story or something I'm, if I'm pleased with it, I'm always sort of really amazed that no one was ever sort of put those words yeah. in that order before. Because yeah. it seems like, well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah, laughs> it yeah, seems well, kind of like I didn't really have that much sort of saying it. No, that, exactly. Of a word sort That's of exactly right. That's exactly how I feel. Mm. Like
1: I feel like there's this book just existed before I was born mm. as something that would inevitably happen, and I was just like, you know, sounds kind of lame, but I was just like a, a conduit for it. Mm. Is that pronounced right? conduit?
0: Conduit. 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 conduit.
1: I think Americans say. <laughs> I don't know what they're, what they're <laughs> but like yeah you just feel like it's just it's like oh okay well, that's what I have to write okay mm-hmm. and it just comes through and like it's the sa- same thing that like I've written a, another book now I'm trying to find a publisher for it and right. that's like very much like yeah I don't know how it couldn't have happened any other way other than the way it's, it's happened
0: you know? do, you, do you think that when something I find weird about writing like if, if that book suddenly somehow didn't exist and you were asked to write it again it would be different. Yeah. Like it might be the same in like lots of ways, but it would never be exactly the same. Yeah, and I always think it's really interesting that people see books as like this sort of perfected yeah. art that someone's like written and then spent ages editing and working on, and it's there and it's it's done. Yeah, but it's, there's also kind of like an improvisational sort of bit to it. I don't know how to do this. No, of. no, <laughs> I, no. I know. Like, I, I know what you mean. Like it is, it is a
1: weird thing, and it's like, you know, what is? You have to really like think like, okay, what is a book? So it's a reflection of the way someone's. It's like. It's like a micro and a macro element to it, isn't there? There's like mm-hmm. the there's the macro element to it. Is that it's like a reflection of someone's brain. Someone was born once, and everything they've had in their life has somehow led up to this way they view the world and this understanding of existence and like their their journey through life. And it comes out as a book. But on the micro level, it's also about the weird things that happen to that person in the morning of the day that they were writing mm. and the weird chemicals that were for some reason released in their brain as they were writing the book too so there's there's two like there's
0: two levels to it does that ever worry you that like <laughs> if i have to
1: die tomorrow and like people read this i'd feel okay about that i mm. feel fine about it because the stuff i do in my daily life working in a bookshop trying to cook nice food you know trying to like find some Happiness. It's no no different to anything else anyone else does, Mm. you know, Um, not saying this book is different or special in any way, but it's something I finished and it's the first thing I've completed and felt like really happy with in some way. So if if people were to like read that and think that's how I view the world, wouldn't be totally accurate, but Mm. it would be something, I guess.
0: Mm. But well, It seems like saying about the internet thing. It seems it seems like a kind of not. To, this sounds like it might be sort of an insulting thing to say about <laughs> the book. But it seems, it seems kind of it represents like a lot of what is going on in the modern world, mm. like quite a lot. You, you wouldn't sort of get sales people yeah. in the sort of you know 19th century yeah well,
1: i think that's really good and you know like it's not like it's not a conscious thing and it's not like i feel as though it's people's duty to write about the world they live in now but mm. i think it's impossible for them not to regardless of what you're writing it's a reflection of what's happening right now whether it's a historical novel or whatever it's still like a reflection of the world that you live in it's impossible for it not to be so mm. i kind of feel like that's that's good that's appropriate i think all books should be mm. in some way or another like that and i think they are you know it's, it's impossible to kind of escape from that maybe
0: so is the next book going to be Similar the next book is
1: um, totally. It's very different. The main character of the next book is. <laughs> uh, he's. I don't. I want to be careful what I say because it's not like. It's not really true, <laughs> but it kind of also is true. He's based on James May from Top Gear. <laughs> okay, but it's not. The real James May, obviously. It's just, okay. <laughs> and he's never called James May. It's called the TV presenter. It's about, it's, okay, it's about a TV presenter who works on a show that's very similar to Top Gear, mm-hmm. but is hyper-depressed, hates his life, hates his family. It's about his family as well. It's called a Modern Family. It's about his his wife who becomes obsessed with the royal wedding of Kate and William, his son who is a World of Warcraft addict, and his daughter who is kind of like she has, um, she has like. Feelings of lust for another girl, and she's ashamed of that. But also, she kind of like, she becomes embroiled in kind of a world of sort of, sort of modeling and kind of weird drug use and stuff like that. So it's it's like it is a very kind of it's very it's very different to this, but it's I feel like it really. I'm really happy with that book. More happy really? than I am with *The fine. Is yeah. it finished? It's finished. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm trying to find someone who will take it. It's re- its very weird, though. Like it's written in a kind of—it's much more hardcore in the way it's written. <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. It's like—it's really. I don't know how to describe it. It's hardcore, like, kind of weird. Hardcore. I don't know. I think it's really readable. Like I—I I don't think it's like I don't. I think it's quite accessible in a way. But I also think like. I, I, I guess it's like uh, experimental in the way I've written it. In that mm. it's kind of really removed. Like I've tried to remove myself, very, very. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it. I would, you know. I, I. But I do feel really good about it. I feel like it's. I, I feel like now I'm just worrying. I, I'm. 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 I'm struggling to write in the moment. It's just because everything I wanted to say, like everything I was interested in, I, I've got out of my system in that book now. So.
0: Did you finish it recently? Yeah,
1: four months ago. Mm. so yeah for me that's (laughs) recently yeah relatively recently so um, yeah
0: so you don't know you don't got any plans for what will be after that well
1: yeah well my next plan I'm this sounds so I'm trying to write a book about a sentient olive tree <laughs> yeah. in uh, in Greece, um, and because uh, I'm because I'm half Greek, and I would like. To, I, it's kind of yeah. It's a very. It's like it's really embryonic. It feels like a natural progression to like this guy is definitely a character. He has characteristics and mm. kind of like um, is is very kind of um, he's very well defined, or at least I I hope he is. In the in my new book, among the family, it's like. Um, the characters are almost kind of the same person living four separate lives, but they have the same reactions to think to different things that happen to them that the other characters wouldn have and i 'm kind of like interested in how different people really are that 's what i 'm trying that 's what 'm trying to sort of write about in that one and so the next one is just about like objects <laughs> <We have> no, <laughs> no characters at all, but just happen to be sentient of what 's happening to them is
0: there any uh, Reason for that, or is it just a... no? Well, there's no reason for any of us to be such a
1: tree, is there. So, like, I think I figure it's kind of okay. Um, so, yeah, there's like so far the ca- the character list is like the olive tree, the rock uh, that's near the olive tree, the valley that the olive tree is growing out of. So the trouble is, it's like it's basically impossible to write because uh,
0: you can't... do have a In and um, everything's fine. There's a sentient, that's seemingly true. sentient tube. There is a yeah, there is a
1: tube um, that has that has kind of a personality. Yeah. Um, real, real bit of a dick, really. Yeah, <laughs> really, really cruel. But that's not her fault, though, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the tree is not, doesn't have a personality. <laughs> it's just like aware. I wonder whether I can write like a, just a novel about like a tree like experiencing the sensation of wind on its bark for like 300 <laughs> pages. That's what I want. That's my, that's my next dream, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's just because I read the book of Disquiet again and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I really love that bit where Pessoa's saying, like, he's just really jealous of, like, uh, a stone sitting on a table because it's going to outlast him and stuff like that. That's mm. kind of probably really bad paraphrasing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I just want to write
0: that. <laughs> That's all. What are the influences, would you say? Uh, really because, like, the only thing I could really think of for for this book, For Everything's Fine, um, was uh, American Psycho, just because it's kind of, it's got, like, a similar quality. It's not, yeah. it's not very different in like, how it's written and who the character is and everything, but similar in terms of a a guy who's pathologically yeah. his job
1: yeah well I mean I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say that's a, a conscious influence but like yeah I mean it's mm. something it's, it's similar like that style of narration is, is very similar um but yeah I mean just kind of like just the internet like mm. writers who I've read on the internet are a big influence kind of contemporary writers mainly American because there are more Americans kind of writing on the internet or at least there were when I was writing this kind of thing but also like I'm just obsessed with Kafka as well so stuff like that mm. um Uh, kind of like has seeped in like definitely and kind of the more surreal elements although you know um, I guess Kafka like deals with it in the same way and that people are confronted with things that are just totally insane and they kind of like just sort of go yeah okay well what Mm. do I have to do to sort this out you know it's that kind of that kind of feelings definitely Mm. Um, I'm definitely much more interested in reading stuff that's odd and very much of the moment and Mm. kind of and not aware of its own importance, I guess that's the main thing. You just want something that's kind of just really honest and nice, mm. um, and not kind of like not gunning for prizes and not gunning for huge amounts of money, and not you know,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, inter- it's interesting that you get you kind of get things that aren't like that on the internet, they're kind of you know very much sort of unself conscious in a certain yeah. way, and sort of not particularly interested in the sort of things that you get in books that they're interested
1: in. I think the internet means that people will have the opportunity to be inventive, and original, and creative in ways that they want to be, mm-hmm. and that ways that come naturally to them. Whether it's weird, like, fluff poetry or stuff like that that's happening now, or, you know, like, found poetry from Facebook, or people making a, uh, a collection of poems that are, you know, the, the last hundred things I've liked on Facebook, or stuff like that, and kind of like, it, it will, you know, it's such a big part of our lives, it will feed into what everyone's writing about. Uh, People who are young and people who are interested in, you know, that side of life, like, inevitably it will kind of, yeah, it will inform writing. And that's good, I think. Like, I think anything that pushes things forward is good. I think anything that makes things change is good. So I'm kind of really, kind of, I'm really, really positive about the internet. I think it's... um, it's just humans that's it basically it's just you know some humans are good some humans are bad some human interactions are mm. good some human interactions are bad it's just like an extension of that and it gives people a chance to communicate better with each other and kind of um, integrate in a way that wasn't possible before so it's great it's great for all art I think it must be I can't see yeah. how it can be bad um, but I think whatever humanity decides is the best way for th- in which things should happen is the best mm. so if if it happened, you know, I work in a bookshop, so it's really important to me that books are still being sold and stuff. But like, if people are getting what they want from life in a different way and they're just as happy, then I think it's fine. I think people love books, and you know, mm. I think, you know, I think it's a, sh- you know, I think it's a shame that people prefer to buy their books on Amazon than they do.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting you say about chapbooks before as well. Whether they've kind of had a like sort of resurgence. Yeah. 10 years or so
1: well I think that's I think again like I think it's just a symptom of the internet it's a weird symptom of the fact that people can communicate with each other and say well look I'm you know like 20 years ago if I had produced a book of like a 20 page book hmm. um, that was just like printed on black and white paper I would have had nowhere to send it no one would have been interested unless you send it to a literary magazine or to an editor somewhere but like now because people have read my blog I've sort of gone guys I've got this book I, you know I'm just going to send it out to people for free do you want one? And I sold out of like you know I, I I printed I think like fifty copies and I I sent them all to all over all different places and it's just because of the internet, um, so it kind of feels logical to me that that sort of that sort of self publishing weird little yeah copy. I think
0: people um, seem to want like things that are made as well more yeah now. yeah definitely th- things that have like been created by somebody yeah it's like, it, it's just lovely to hold that mm. you know and well yeah exactly because I yeah. understand it as well like. I do get, get things myself and go, like, yeah. oh, it's great that's yeah stapled by some guy yeah. from it's, America. It's, it's really, really good. And it's mm-hmm.
1: exciting, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I really like it. I don't know. I feel like an idiot all the time. I just think, like, why would anyone be interested in me? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ever think. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I, w- I would ever want to do is, like, think I'm important well,
0: I know <laughs> I'm not. Have you ever met any, like, proper famous writers who do think they're important?
1: Um, no. But that, <sighs> I don't know. Everything's so fucking insane. Everything is so insane. Like, the idea of fame is ridiculous. It's just stupid. You know, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I find it all just so weird. I find life so weird. I can't, you know... All I want to do is just, you know... It just comes down to, like... I just don't want people to think I'm an idiot. Like, you know... But also, I can imagine, like... It must be very hard... If you're a really well-known author and really popular, or really well-known anything and really popular, it must be very, very difficult when everyone is always telling you how amazing you are mm-hmm. over the course of five, ten years, not to end up thinking that you're absolutely amazing.
0: Especially, especially yeah. if, like most writers, you kind of have an element of like kind of a depressive yeah. self-criticizing uh, yeah. sort of streak. Yeah. It must be really weird to have that going on and people telling you the like the yeah absolute opposite. Yeah, of all time. Like, yeah I
1: just want to make money, enough money from my writing so that I can just write more mm. and I don't want to, I just want people to be nice to me and then to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> that's my dream. Yeah, that's it, I think. Would
0: you quit your job if you could to write?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though, because like, I do really like my job
0: like really like it so when I got my redundant I was at work for like three months which was just like the best time of my life yeah like, like so much what, work done well I,
1: was, like, I quit my recruitment consultancy job to write the book and like I was I was unemployed for a year basically before I started working at Blackwell's and yeah like it was it was miserable in some ways but also just I love writing so much the mm. fact that I had time to do it and then I had time to do stuff like I built a little website for the book and like I sent it out to people and I started I started doing like an online magazine for a while as well. It was kind of like that made me feel really good about myself. So the fact that you have a lot of time to do stuff, is it's really kind of
0: like... I just you know, These days when I'm at work, it used to happen all the, when I was working at Blackwell as well, it's not particularly this job. But yeah, there's times where I sit there going like thinking, like, I literally can't believe that, that the, people like... Have decided this is what should happen. I know. And I know. Who well, decided? I know. It's happen, such like, a long period of time to be at work You're thinking like oh. when it's like nine to half five and it gets like four, you're thinking no, someone must have like made mistake. Someone <laughs> Someone's like, like just told us all wrong. We just believed them. And yeah,
1: I just you know it just it does like and that was like that's how I felt when I wrote this as well. I just kind of feel like well, why can't I just fucking just run off to the countryside and live mm. like a wild man for the rest of my life? Why can't I do that? You know mm. and there's no reason other than me. Hmm. You know, like, I don't really have to listen to what people say. I don't really have to worry that my parents will not ever hear from me and everyone will worry about me. I can choose not to think about that stuff if I want to, but, like, I, I still can't bring myself to do it, you know? Like, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd, I'd love it. I lived on the canal book for six months. Really? Yeah, I travelled around. <laughs> I saved... I When I worked in the newspaper, I'm, I'm, uh, I met a girl in the newspaper and we decided to save up for a year and then travel around the north of England on a narrowboat for six months so that's what we did and like that life of living on a narrowboat that's my perfect life mm-hmm. it's it's yeah it's fun it's fantastic because it was we had we weren't allowed to like moor up for anywhere more than three days so we were always on the move the costs are really low because there's no bills to pay you just buy your fuel you need to buy like coal and wood to keep warm like my first job in the morning was make the fu- make the fire for the day Otherwise, sounds like a good first thing in the morning yeah it's funny, it's it's <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why we don't just, like, help each other to all live that life instead of, like, help each other to all make loads of money and buy a mm. car, you know? Like, I don't know, I, I guess I just, you know, I just want different, maybe, you know, everyone wants different, different things from life, but the things I really want are just to be free to go wherever I want, mm. do whatever I like, have a fun time with people who I know, uh, and not starve. Mm. So,
0: you know, I guess, yeah. That's not like a huge list of requirements, though.
1: Yeah it's not but other people don't want that so not everyone not everyone wants to help me no, that's, true, yes. that's the problem <laughs> and I'm not moaning about having a job I'm lucky to, you know like everyone at the moment I'm lucky to have a job that's like relatively stable and like mm. I, I don't absolutely hate it I do quite like it and you know it's lovely I've got these lovely cats as well <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: could you take those on a boat? I don't maybe. know people have dogs
1: on boats I guess I was thinking about that as I was talking about the, the canal boat thing and I was like yeah I think maybe like you could train them to stay inside but they're so like free roaming they'd probably just get lost Which well my, my kitten as well because we've got him so, when he was so young like he, um, he suckles <laughs> when I'm wearing a jumper he's looking for my nipple basically <laughs> and like pouring me and like my, my you know my friend said that he'll do that his whole life and I'm like oh, I like that it's, it's nice <laughs> yeah. you know? it's kind of sweet
0: if you, yeah. don't, if you don't think too much about it
1: sitting nervously in a room on the top floor of the office. This is my boss's floor. I'm waiting for my superior to come and assess my performance over this last month. My performance has not been good. My performance has been bad. The assessment room is made of marble and gold. There's a platinum fountain full of champagne. There are gargoyles pointing out from the top corners of the room. The table is covered with fur and has elephant tusks for legs. Everything in here is prohibitively expensive. That means you are prohibited from touching it. My boss enters the room. He's a little stocky, moustachioed man. He's a little stocky athlete and would look great hurling bowling balls around. He'd love to throw the bowling balls at human beings. He'd love to play rugby with the heads of human beings. He'd kick the human heads so far over the goalposts they'd never be seen again. He's wearing a little ribbon on his chest that means he's committed to stopping cancer in its tracks. If he threw the heavy bowling ball at your head, you'd think before it hit you, great technique. He sits down. In, we're here to talk about your performance this last month. Your performance this last month has been terrible. Do you have your targets and actuals? I bring out a sheet of paper with two sets of numbers on it. One set of numbers is my targets. They're a set of very high numbers and percentages. The other set of numbers is my actuals. They're a set of very low numbers and percentages. My boss looks at the sets of numbers. He looks at me. His eyes are very big and white. He carefully removes a bottle of red ink and an old-fashioned pen from the drawer in front of him. I think he has lovely and delicate fingers. His fingers look like dancers. Ian... I'm going to mark the areas you've underperformed in with this red ink. He places the sheet down flat on the desk. He threads his fingers together before cracking his knuckles, then picks up the ink and holds it above the sheet. He pours the entire pot of red ink over the paper. Red ink pours over the desk and over my shoes and the floor. I look at the red ink soaking into the fur and staining the marble floor. I look at the gold and the gargoyles and the platinum. Anywhere except my boss's face. I pick up the dripping sheet and try to take this extensive feedback on board. I make an expression with my hands and face which tells my boss I'm thinking about this and taking it all on board. I hope my boss can hear the sincere and heartfelt thoughts about changing my life. I'm having the most intense and sincere feelings that any worker has ever had. I am 110% sincere. How do you feel about this feedback, Ian? Do you think that it's fair feedback? I sincerely think I definitely need to make a change in my life, I say carefully. I think it might be too late for that, Ian. He leans forward on the desk. Why do you do this job? For the excellent pay and fantastic career opportunities. The money and prospects are only good if you hit your targets, Ian. Have you worked out how much money your basic salary gives you for each hour you work? No. I have. You earn £5.60 per hour. You never hit your target. I always hit my target. I earn £5.60 per second. Targets are a very important part of the job I do, and are a very important part of everything else outside of work as well. Aim to hit every target you set yourself. I sell tubes to people who need tubes for carrying fluids from one location to another, using either gravity or a pump. It's important to know whether a pump is going to be used or not. If a pump is going to be used, then the tube has to be slightly thicker to cope with the additional pressure. Thicker plastic means mega bucks, target smashing, success, power, winner. I'm programmed for success. Sometimes I lie to people and tell them that they need the thicker tubes even when they don't. This is called having a sales story or being creative. These are technical sales terms so I understand if you don't understand them. Once, one of my clients found out about my sales story and made a complaint. The company supported me completely and told him I was new and stupid and incompetent and had no idea about tubes and that they were going to fire me. The reason you're doing so badly, I think, is your lack of discipline. When I was working at your level, I was the most disciplined worker of all time, but I'm no hero and I'd be the first to admit that. He's always so hard on himself. One thing I am, he continues, is seriously disciplined. I am a disciple of discipline. You lack discipline and have no responsibilities. I've made a bespoke package to teach you discipline. He takes out a small grey tube. It's 8 inches long and 2.5 inches across. It's a standard tube. It's worth 12.8 pence if you buy less than 100, It's worth 10.2 pence if you buy more than a hundred. It's a heavy duty tube. This is a tube. You have to imagine this tube is your baby. My baby? Yes, your baby. What would you like to name your beautiful, bouncing baby? Can I just call it tube? No, you have to call it a real name, a name like Mildred. Call it Mildred. Okay, hello Mildred. I put my hand on top of Mildred. It feels awkward. I take my hand off her and immediately I want to put it back. You have to carry Mildred with you at all times to understand the burden of having someone totally dependent on you. Whenever you meet people, you have to say, ''This is my baby, Mildred,'' so you can understand how embarrassing you are. I hold Mildred up in front of my face. I turn her around a few times. I look through her hole. She's one long hole, I suppose. How long do I have to look after Mildred until you learn about responsibility and discipline? Human emotions are so difficult to understand. I feel oddly proud and utterly worthless.